You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. And then we're going to Genesis chapter 1. That's right after the book of Index. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Ready? Read. Everybody say, first things first. We've been having a look at the beginning. Because if we have to seek first, I want to know what that first is. Because we can all have our own opinions. We can use words and ask somebody what a word means and we come up with different definitions. That's kind of the problem that the world is going through at the moment. They're trying to redefine age-old knowledge of what words are. And that's always going to cause confusion. And we know who the author of confusion is. The Bible's very clear. Satan is the author of confusion. So if I'm talking to you and you have a different definition for a word and I have a different definition, we're going to argue because we both think we write about our own definition. So the only way conversation really happens accurately is if we agree on a definition. And so that definition has to be placed within the realm of truth, not opinion. Someone can decide they want to call the color blue red, they're going to have a real hard time in this world. Because they can keep asking for blue things, and they land up with red things. But they say, but that is not red. I want the red thing. <laughs> well, what's red? This. No, that's blue. No, I feel like this is red. I don't care what you feel like. Red is red, blue is blue. Say amen. amen. So when it comes to the definition of the kingdom... It's no longer going to be under opinion. So who gets to decide? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. The truth. There's no relative truth. There's no personal truth. There's no, there is the truth. Everybody say the truth. And so when it comes to opinions, we can all have opinions. But once the word defines something, that becomes the truth. And it's up to me to renew my mind to that. So. Defining the kingdom, what are the first things? Seek first. We want to know the first. So the best way to look at the first is in the beginning. That would be the first, wouldn't that? So Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning. Everybody say, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Notice, in the beginning, God. God was always there from the beginning. That's why the question, who created God, is outside the realms of the natural that's somebody who doesn't understand there is a spirit realm. Because the spirit realm, that fourth dimension, is not defined by natural laws as we understand them. Even time, beginning and end, start, stop, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, are defined by things that God created, and time is a created entity. And God lives outside of that. 
We saw in Genesis 21 verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and they called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Everybody say everlasting. And we studied that word al olam, which means to be concealed, the vanishing point. Generally, time out of mind. Time out of mind. That means this is no longer in the natural realm. We're talking about past or future. This is what I define as the fourth dimension. Many others do. I don't, it's not my definition. It's something that we've come just to call as a term, the realm of the spirit. The spirit isn't something over there. One day we'll go to heaven. Meanwhile, we're over here on this natural side. Now, the spirit realm is all around us. And this is a manifestation of the spirit realm in the natural. But that spirit realm is beyond these three dimensions. And, and it talks about being practically eternity. In other words, the mind cannot begin to even... We can have a general idea of forever that way and forever this way, but that's still present, past, and future. So uh, past, present, future. So we have to make sure that we don't lock ourselves into these three dimensions. It's just beyond our understanding. And God is calling himself El Olam. That, that beyond natural perception is who this God is. And so we saw in John chapter 1, verse 1, the other beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. That Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. Now all things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. So when God said light be, he wasn't creating natural light. Because the sun only came days later. It's talking about this realm of the spirit. And that light is what is the life of man. And so, yeah, we see... In the beginning, God created the Father, and yeah, we see in the beginning is the Word. Verse 14, that Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This is Jesus. So Jesus existed in the beginning with the Father. His name, Jesus, was given to his natural birth by his mother. But he was always the Word. He is God. He was God, is God, always will be God. And he was with the Father from the beginning. And through Jesus, all things were created, and yet it identifies him as the Word. Everybody say the Word. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the Father by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed all things, appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So anything that, was, that is seen or exists, anything that's created, came through Jesus. That proves Jesus was not created. Because everything that was created came through Him. Amen. Now verse 3, Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power. The wording there is vitally important. It's not by the power of his word. It's by the word of his power. His word is his power. His word is what carries power. His word is what releases power. His word is the very force, the power of the kingdom of God. And so we notice here that he upholds all of creation. How? By the word that's been spoken. So once God said, light be, 
He didn't have to go and reanalyze it, keep it moving. It just continues to exist. Now, how is that possible? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it because we're going to talk about it this morning. Read this from the Amplified. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 from the Amplified. Jesus is the sole express, expression of the glory of God, the light being. Say this, God is light. The outraying or radiance of the divine. Everybody say radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by His mighty word of power. Wow. Read that again. Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by His mighty word of power. So we see in the beginning was the Father who created. In the beginning is the word through whom all we created. But you notice in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, when the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the, dirt, on the, face of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Everybody say the Spirit of God. So now we have the Father in the beginning. And we have Jesus, the Word, in the beginning. But notice the Holy Spirit is also mentioned right from the beginning. In the, very, in the second statement of in the beginning God created. And the Spirit's hovering. And then God said and light became. Because God had spoken. Have a look at Psalm chapter 33 verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord. Remember, he's upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. Everybody say, word of power. By this word of power, the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. By the breath of his mouth. Now you know, I'm sure it makes sense, that God didn't go, light be. <sighs> that is not what it's talking about. He didn't blow it into existence. When he says the breath of his mouth, what's he talking about? Well, to understand that, you have to go back to the original Hebrew. That word breath, is the Hebrew word ruah. Everybody say ruah. 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 You've got to put the ah at the end. I looked it up on a, on a pronunciation page and I had to practice it because it's different. So you go ruah. <laughs> they get that ah in there. <laughs> ruah. It's important because it's talking of breath. Okay, it's part of the definition. Strong's number, Hebrews 7307. And part of the meaning is breath, but it also means wind, spirit, and or the spirit of God. So it's breath, the normal breath. It talks of wind, 
and spirit. Everybody say spirit. We see when Elihu is addressing Job in chapter 32, verse 8, he uses this word. He says there is a ruah in man. There is a spirit in man. Now, how many of you understand? We recognize that we are spirit beings. When God created man, he created him in his image. God doesn't have a body. He formed the body out of, a ground, out of the, the dust of the ground, and into that body he breathed the spirit of man. The spirit of man is who you and I are. We are spirit beings created in the image of God. And then we have a soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions. And we live in a body. Say that. I am a spirit. I have a soul. My mind, will and emotions. I live in a body. So that there is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. The breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Now we've got your spirit and breath. We're going to refer to that. That first word, spirit, there's a spirit in man. That's the word ruah. So that's talking of the spirit being. So with that knowledge of the spirit, ruah, it's born out in Job chapter 26, verse 13. Speaking of God's spirit. His, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. That's the same word, ruah. So get a hold of this. The Father created. He did it through the Word, Jesus. But in that Word being spoken by His Spirit, it all happened. The Spirit is what brought the tangible into place. Come on, you're getting a hold of this. So can you see how all three of our Godhead were involved in creation? The Father had the image, He had the vision, He had the purpose, He had the decision, and He decided and He created. But He did it through His Son, the Word, and by the spoken Word having been released, the Holy Spirit who was hovering went into action and He brought it to pass. That's adorned by His Ruach. He adorned the heavens. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. All he had to do was speak by his spirit wind command. And God created the heavenlies. Can you see how all three are involved in that? So spirit wind, that's, the, uh, that's what the word ruach carries through. Is the Holy Spirit involved? Praise God. Now, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, you can tell by, as we read through this, these are rhetorical questions. He's not asking who did it. He's, he's identifying, you'll see as we get to it, he, he's, he's saying who else could have done this? You think about how many of you have ever tried to carry a really full cup of tea or coffee or whatever somewhere, and you notice how you have to watch as you move that centrifugal force is if you stop suddenly or have to turn suddenly, it can cause the thing to splash. How many of you have ever carried a huge big bucket of something and that water can throw that thing off off? Balance, just that little bit of water. If you 
tilted the wrong way. That, that thing's so heavy because of the weight of that water. Now imagine a planet spinning. And you think of the size of the oceans and the, and the, 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 the tides are going up one side and down on the other side. So the water is oscillating in the ocean. While it's high tide, yeah, it's low tide on this side. And then uh, it goes high tide this side, low tide. So you think over an expanse of kilometers, this water is busy doing exactly that on this huge container, earth. And you know that as it's spinning, this is happening, the moon's doing that, and, and all of that is happening. And the word says God defines there's a line. Have you noticed even when there's a tsunami, the waters go inland, it always goes back to that line. That God's made a decision. That's as far as it goes, and that's where it's going to stay. Even if a catastrophe causes it to go somewhere else, it'll come back to God's original design. Now, how's that all perfectly balanced? Well, he took some water, and he held it in his hand, and he figured it out. He's feeling the water, left, right, left. Okay, that gives me the dimensions. Can you get a hold of that? How many of you could do that? An engineer, pick up some water. Okay, we're going to build this huge dam. No, we, we, we test with little things, and then we get it bigger, and then we put it in a wind tunnel, and then we, oh, isn't that right? We're doing a, whatever we design, and we have different ways. And then even when we build it big, sometimes it collapses, and oh, we made a mistake somewhere, and then we fix that. God didn't do that. He just went, okay, I know what to do. And he put everything, and this entire thing works. Who weighed the mountains in scales? He just took a bit of dust there and put a bit of dust. In. Okay, this is how we need to balance the planet. Mountain this side, valley on that side. It's perfectly balanced. No speed wobbles. Hallelujah. <laughs> Who weighed the mountains in the balance, in scales, and the hills in the balance? Now listen to this. And who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Who taught him this? Or as his counselor has taught him? We're talking about this is the Holy Spirit. So that tells me the Holy Spirit has hands. He's not a... He's not some wisp, wind. No, he's a person. Didn't he just say, who measured the waters in his hands and who taught him how to do that? He had the knowledge. Oh, come on, you're getting a hold of this? He's not some like robot on the side that the Father tells everything. No, he is fully God. He has in, insight, understanding. He knows all the laws. He knows how to create. He knows how to balance. He worked out this whole thing. Who has directed? Who has taught? That's the Ruach, the, I mean, ruach of Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. Everyone say the Spirit of the Lord. Or as his counselor, who's taught him? With whom did he take counsel? Who instructed him? Who taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And the obvious answer is no one. He is God. I said he is God. Fully understands everything. And with that knowledge, perfectly designed this universe after the Father had the image to create it spoke it through the word Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit balanced it all out and brought it to pass. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can get a hold of that. Job 34, verse 14. If he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. What's that scripture saying? If God woke up one day and just decided, I'm done. And all he did was recall the Holy Spirit. That's it, Holy Spirit, stop what you're doing. Come back. Everything that we see would disappear. What's that saying? Everything that exists, exists because the Holy Spirit is involved in it all the time. His presence is the very reason existence is still in existence. <laughs> that which exists is still in existence because the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what he's saying is, if for any reason he recalled his spirit, whatever exists would disappear. Now, it's interesting, there's two words there. It says, should he set his heart on it, he would gather to himself his spirit. That's Ruach, the Holy Spirit. And yet we see a second word, and his breath. So in the Hebrew, it's not ruach and ruach, even though ruach can mean breath. But yeah, it says ruach and introduces a second word, breath. That word breath in the Hebrew is Strong's number 5397. 5397. It's the word neshama. Neshama. Everyone say neshama. Now neshama means a path of puff of wind, a puff of wind, it can be used as the breath of God and divine inspiration. Everybody say divine inspiration. That's an interesting concept because now listen to this, that if God desires, he could call back his ruach and his neshama. In other words, the spirit of God, that's the person, the Holy Spirit, and with that, this neshama, which is the puff of wind, the breath of God. So with ruach, you have neshama. The Holy Spirit has the capacity to give a puff <laughs> of who he is. Just hang on to that thought. I'm going somewhere with it. With the Holy Spirit, according to Isaiah... He has all wisdom, all insight, all knowledge, all understanding. And he is able to take that and impart a piece of it into you. Amen. That puff, that breath. That's divine inspiration. Amen. It's when something comes to mind that you know you would never thought of. You're not that well educated. I do not know that truth. Yet all of a sudden, I know something I didn't know before, not because of a school or my parents or anything anybody said. I just know. That's what this Neshama speaks of, that divine inspiration. So if you look again at Job chapter 32, verse 8, there is a Ruach in man, that's your spirit, and the neshama 
of the Almighty gives him understanding. Wow. So I am a spirit like the Holy Spirit is spirit. The difference is he is God. He has all wisdom. He has all knowledge. He's birthed you and me as a spirit. But if we were left to ourselves, we wouldn't know anything. But because he dwells in us and he is the one that gives that breath. That release of knowledge. You can see it here if you read it in the original King James. It says there is a spirit of man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. Yeah, you can see the arrogance of man that denies there is a God. They think they come up with all the ideas. There is no original thought in man. Man is incapable of knowing anything except God reveals it. Well, that person invented that. They don't even know God. Ah, the idea still came from God. That's more an indictment on the church than the, than the atheist. Because I firmly believe that God's revealing these things all the time to us as children of God. But when a Christian keeps ignoring it, God needs to move things forward. He needs that particular uh, invention in the earth for the purpose of spreading his gospel, I really believe he gives it to the church first. But if the church constantly ignores it, eventually he needs to move things forward. He'll breathe it into someone who he knows will get the job done. But the thought still comes from God. God is the one who gives man understanding. Say that God is the one who gives man understanding. Look at this from the Message Bible. But I see I was wrong. It's God's Spirit in a person. The breath of the Almighty One that makes wise human insight possible. The breath of the Almighty One makes wise human insight possible. Have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. As it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What's he saying? In your own capacity, in your own natural understanding, in your own depth of human insight, and human knowledge, there is no ways for your eye to even know what God has given you. Why? Because it's outside of this natural realm. I can see my house. I can see my car. I can see the clothes. I can see the food. I can see, I can see all the things, right? So those aren't necessarily the things that God's prepared for me. That is part of it. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things you see in the natural, that you worried about the natural things. There are things beyond the natural that you haven't even seen. There's colors you haven't seen. We can only see from red to, to from infrared to ultraviolet. Isn't that from red to violet? That's the only way. Infrared, you can't see. Ultraviolet, there's things outside, even in this natural, but in the realm of the spirit, you have infinity. There, there are colors out there that we could not even have a word to describe it. Uh, there, there's sounds. We have a limited sound. You take the frequency too high, you stop hearing it. And yet, in the realm of the spirit, 
There's sound being spoken, you can't hear it. So there are things that beyond what your natural perception could ever understand. Now, if you stopped there, we would have said, well, praise God, hallelujah. But keep reading. But God, but God, but God has revealed them to us. How? Through Neshama, through His Spirit, Ruach, but how? By Neshama. Are you kidding? So the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. So how did the Holy Spirit come to know all things? He studied the Father. He knows everything that's in the original creator, the Father. He studied it all. He searched it out. Now, what man, for what man knows, the things of a man, except the spirit of man which is in him. In other words, what's he saying? The natural people, we all understand natural things, and it's by our own natural spirit within us. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit knows everything of the Father, but no human knows that. Well, again, we could have stopped and said, well, praise God, hallelujah. But, verse 12, now we have received, who we? Born again believers, lift your hand. If you believe in Jesus, say, this is me. This is talking about me. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, Ruach, who is from God. Why? So that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Oh, come on, give Jesus praise. What's Paul saying? There are things outside your natural understanding. You will never be able to figure it out using any of the natural laws you know. They are so way out beyond. That's where we're talking about, the fourth dimension. But what's happened is the Holy Spirit, He studied out. He found it all. He knows it all. Now, when you're born again, you didn't receive your spirit back as your spirit. You were born as the spirit of God. You were born of His spirit. And His Holy Spirit, the Ruach, came to dwell within you. You merged. You became one. It's no longer I who live. It is Christ, the anointed one, that anointing of the anointed one that dwells within you. And with that comes all that knowledge and He reveals it to you. The Holy Spirit, God gave you the Holy Spirit so that He can reveal it to you. How do you read it? Read there. We have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. God wants you to know the realm of the fourth dimension. How is He going to reveal it to you? By His Spirit. Look at verse 12. Now we have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
That's outside the natural realm. So when we look at the realm of the spirit, that fourth dimension, don't try and compare it with the natural realm. Jesus did that while he was in the earth, but he was speaking to natural people. The kingdom of God is like, but even in that is limitation. Because you know, when you use an analogy, you can push it so far and then it starts to crumble because there's still natural laws. But in the realm of the spirit, if you're going to want to understand the realm of the spirit, you're going to have to go and determine it by spiritual insight. So we may not allow our heads to get involved. The moment we say, yes, but, and then use natural reasoning, you've stepped out of the realm of the spirit again. So this is by revelation. The Holy Spirit reveals things. Very often he can reveal something that you'll find very difficult to even put into words. You've heard me say many times when I'm trying to teach, I'm limited by my English language. If I spoke in tongues now, I'd be telling the truth. But the, even Paul says, don't do that because those that are not able to understand will not be able to say amen. So if I just preached in tongues, you'd have a whole bunch of people, what did he say today? No, so we have to use our English language the best way we can. But in our own personal capacity, there are things that God's going to reveal to you that when he does, you're going to find it even difficult to communicate to your spouse what the Lord just revealed in your heart. You getting this? Now, Verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's what I find a lot of times. People, they love God. They must love Him. They, they, they love His Word. They, they teach His Word. But they're so locked into the natural understanding is that once you start moving in the realm of the Spirit and you start seeing the power of the Holy Spirit going into action... They, they either deny it or become nervous. The Bible says there's a form of godliness, but denying the power. Why? Because the natural mind, you get so busy in natural training and understanding, you can lose sight of the realm of the spirit. We have to stay. Yes, we study. Yes, we read the word. We have to come to a natural understanding of what's available. But the revelation is beyond the natural mind. Verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Now, how is that going to happen? How do we spiritually discern? Look at verse 16. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. That's quoting Isaiah, what we just read. Who may know the mind of the Lord? But we have received the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So Isaiah is saying, who could ever know these things? But he didn't understand there is a time coming when God says, I will reveal my spirit in you. That Christ, we've already had a look at that. How God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. That's what made Jesus Christ, the anointed one, that anointing is the person of the Holy Spirit. And once that anointing, the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell within you, He anoints your mind, that your mind can go beyond what you've been taught in the natural, beyond natural education. You have a mind that has the capacity to see into the realm of the Spirit. Oh, come on, give Jesus praise. 
That's why Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, hello, if I was a disciple, I would have stopped in there and said, hang on. It's better that you leave us. Just think about this for a moment. Did the disciples ever go hungry? You, you, you know none of them had a headache longer than an hour as long as Jesus was around. Isn't that right? And they, if they didn't understand something, if he was preaching, they went with him afterwards. They're sitting around the campfire saying, now you said this over there. What did you mean by that? And he explained it to them, sometimes two or three or four times. Uh, if they had a problem with catching fish, go just, do, just throw it at your net now. Come on. I mean, they, they lacked nothing, they had no problem with any questions. I mean, how many wouldn't mind being personally discipled by Jesus? I mean, him, hanging out with him, sleeping in the same place as him, you, are you with me? Now he says, I'm leaving. What? Now I'm sure there were times when Jesus, remember they looked for him and they couldn't find him because he was out praying. Well, he was still limited to one place. So in that moment, if they had a headache, they'd have to wait for him to come back. <laughs> Are you with me? But he says now, it's better that I leave. Now, how could that be possible, Jesus? And he says, yeah, it's better, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, can you imagine? Imagine you're married and your spouse says, it's better that I go away because when, if I go away, I can send this robot to you. <laughs> no ways is that better. Isn't that right? If, if, if I got somebody that's on stop, whatever, you want the person, you want that relationship. Isn't that right? So how can Jesus say, I'm going away, but I'm going to send this force to you? No, he said, I'm going to send him. In other words, when he comes, you're going to have it even better than if I was with you. Now, why is that? How could that be so? We have God as one, the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. How can it be better? Well, Jesus in his human body was only limited to that piece of ground he was standing on. So if he went off to pray, they were now without God. You know, God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The human Jesus couldn't say that. He says, I'm with you, but then he goes to the next room. You're not with me anymore. Are you with me? If you're just thinking in the natural, the body. But Jesus says, when I go, I will send the helper, him. He's just like me. The difference is he'll be in you. So wherever you go, he's there. That's way better than making sure you've got Jesus shackled to your arm wherever you go. Oh, Jesus, we're going here now. We're going over here. No, Jesus says, I'm going to unshackle. I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the one who knows all things. And he's going to come live within you. Hallelujah. 
John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. The helper, and yeah, he identifies who he is, the Holy Spirit, Ruach. That's, that's in the Hebrew. Yeah, it's written in Greek. But I'm saying that's the Hebrew word referred to the Spirit that knows all things, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So out of the mouth of Jesus, he's identified three persons. Jesus says, I'm going, the helper will come, and it's the Father sending him. He will teach you all things. How's that possible? He knows all things. And he'll bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He says, in me, giving you the Holy Spirit, I give you the same peace I have. Now, family of God, can you, in your wildest imagination, think of Jesus ever being rattled? Someone gives him some information. <laughs> what are we going to do? Can, can you see that, Jesus? They come and tell him, your friend is dying. Says the sickness is not unto death. And he finishes his breakfast. They come and tell him, okay, he's dead. No, he's sleeping. You just can't rattle him. Why? Because he knows all things. And he says that same peace I'm going to leave with you. How's that possible? By this person, the Holy Spirit. Remember Colossians chapter 3 verse 15? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Where? In your Heart, speaking of that realm of your spirit. Let the peace of God rule. That word rule is the Greek number 1018. 1018 in the Strongs. It's the word brabio. Brabio means to be an umpire, to decide, to determine, to direct, to control, to rule. That's where we get let him rule in your heart. But you notice how he does it? As an umpire. As an umpire, you know what an umpire is, a referee. So what happens is, if you watch a match, the referee's not involved. He, he, the, the less the referee's involved, the more we enjoy the game. Isn't that right? Because he's not supposed to be stopping the game every two seconds. But if you keep breaking the rules every two seconds, he will. The purpose of the referee, the umpire, is to make decisions. So in other words, the, the game plays, you make the decisions. You play the game. You decide you're going to break left, go right, pass the ball, kick it, whatever. That's all fine. But he's, what's he doing? He's making sure it's legal. But the moment someone does something that's illegal, what happens? He blows the whistle. And that, you can be running for the line. You don't keep running. There people have tried it, but you know it's a waste of time. You didn't hear the whistle, that's another thing. But if you hear the whistle, you notice how everybody stops what, what, what? It's something went wrong that you didn't see, but the ref did. So the same way we live our lives, God has given you the ability. There's a wisdom and there's an insight and understanding that is placed in you. What's one plus one? I don't have to go pray in tongues to find the answer. I can figure it out fairly quickly. 
Are you with me? What you're going to wear today? I can figure that out. But sometimes as I'm getting dressed, the Holy Spirit will check me. I'll take something and he'll stop me. Now someone says, why would he decide to do that? It could be that if I put something on, I'm going to have an important decision with somebody. That if I walk in, they'll be so bothered by what they're seeing, they're not listening to me. And God knows that. So he says, no, no, don't put that on. That person prefers this color. Now, I don't even know that. It's just, it's in a moment. I'm going, uh, no. What? Oh, yeah, that one. What was that? A check and peace. See, that as, you, as we become more efficient at it, it becomes easier and easier. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. You're about to sign a deal. You say, this, everything, they've, they've, you've done the, your due diligence. You've got your spreadsheets. It's, there's the prophet. You projected it. It's going to work. It's going to happen. You're about to go in and you put pen to paper. Bang, the breath blows. That peace leaves. All of a sudden, there's no more peace. What happens? You go, no, I'm not signing this. Don't ignore that. Because God sees in five years' time, that company's going to be exposed for fraud, and your name's on the document, you're going down with them. I don't want that to happen to you. I'm stopping you now. Yeah, but it's a power, I mean, it's a major investment. No, no, they're going to jail. He doesn't want your name on the document. You're getting this. We have to learn to trust that people, there's so many testimonies, people that God stopped them before they got on the plane and the plane had an accident. Now someone says, well, why didn't God tell everybody else? I believe he did. But the problem is because we're not seeking first, we're always in turmoil, always running around, waking up, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? What are we going to do? The Holy Spirit is going, He's blowing his whistle and we just gotta go gotta go gotta go and he's going stop. You see why why does Jesus say forgive? Don't live in anger, don't live in antagonism, don't live insulting people. Don't why? Because when you're angry, you're not in peace. You jump in the car, huh? don't need this, and drive off. Next moment, you have an accident. And meanwhile, God saw the truck coming, but we're so angry with the person, we're just putting foot down. Very important. Never leave the house in anger. Never, 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 never. I don't care how much you don't want to be here right now. Don't leave. Sort it out. You don't know what the enemy is trying to do out there to take you out. Make sure you are living in a constant state of peace. Things happen. Disagreements happen. That's normal. But make sure you resolve it in the house of God. Make sure you say, listen, we're going to sort this out. Let's make sure we get back to a place of peace. Why? That peace is what rules in our hearts. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. There's that understanding. There's that breath. You're led by the understanding of God. These are the sons of God. Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's that bearing witness. 
How do you know for a fact that you know that you know you're going to heaven? How do you know that? There's a peace. There's a peace. Hallelujah. Family God, let's keep that Holy Spirit ever present. The wisdom and the knowledge of who he is. Let's make sure we're in fellowship with him all the time. It's Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding in all your ways. Does that sound like seek first? In all your ways, acknowledge him. What will happen? He will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. I have found in my own life, there are times that he specifically has given me direction. I knew I was going to do something, and he specifically told me stop, and then go in a different direction. But if you learn to practice that often enough, it becomes that intuition that he speaks of, that breath. It's, as, as you're walking, you're about to do something, puff. It's just the breath. You don't even know why. You just decide, uh-uh, let me go this way. And the more you learn to trust that he will direct your path, very often you'll be making decisions and not even be aware of it because you're keeping him first, acknowledging him in all of your ways. All of your ways. Hallelujah. You reach for that piece of food and he goes, uh-uh. You know what that sounds like. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Let's stand together. Have you received something this morning? Aren't you glad we have the Holy Spirit? Praise God. Just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Father, thank you so much. I've received your word today. And as I've heard your word, faith has risen in my heart. And I am a believer not a doubter, as a hearer of your word, I'm also a doer. And I thank you so much, Jesus, that you would go and ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you dwell with me. Indeed, you never leave me. You never forsake me. The one who knows all things, has all understanding, you breathe within me. Whenever I need to know something, you release that knowledge. You tell me. You remind me of what I've been taught. You reveal your wisdom and your truth. You guide me to know the right and accurate decisions. You lead me in the paths of righteousness. You direct my ways in everything I do. I put all my faith, all my trust in knowing you know me, you know what's best for me, you want what's best for me, and you're revealing it to me all the time. I hear you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.